0: All right, well, Welcome everybody again to our Labor Day weekend service. I like Labor Day, it's sort of a made-up holiday to just say, what can we, let's have a holiday where people just get the day off. That's kind of what Labor Day is when you think about it. Uh, but uh, I see it almost for churches, and particularly and for our church in particular, uh, as the calm before the storm, right? <laughs> next week is Rally Day, everything gets going, all our programs start going. Kid Town, although Kid Town doesn't start next week, sorry to our, our kids, got to wait one more week uh, after that. But everything sort of gets kicked off on, uh, on Rally Day, and Labor Day weekend is that, that little calm before the big storm. That's where we are today. I want to thank uh, Mitch for preaching last week. It was great to have him here, and he's here with us today. Um, And Mitch preached on the Old Testament, and we have uh, a new series coming up. We're going to start that series next week. It's going to be on what Jesus says about important things. Uh, Looking at Jesus' words from the four Gospels on a number of different uh, topics. Uh, But so we have this one week in between. I thought Mitch started this Old Testament thing. We're going to continue it for one more week. We're going to stick in the Old Testament. Uh, We're going to be looking at the book of Nehemiah. Uh, and talking about the work of the Lord. Doing the work of the Lord. Which I think is appropriate for Labor Day. Uh, many of you guys maybe have never heard of the book of Nehemiah. Or maybe you've heard of it, but you've actually never read it. It's not one of those, those common uh, books that are preached on or read. Uh, but Nehemiah is primarily about how Israel, after they get defeated by their enemies, they're exiled out of the land. Well, eventually they come back. They come back to the main city, Jerusalem. And they rebuild the city wall. Alright, so Ezra is about them rebuilding the temple. Nehemiah is about them rebuilding the wall around the city. Now, some of you guys are just lost. You're saying, what does that have to do with us today? This ancient people rebuilding a wall around their city. Well, I think what it is, is it's a picture to us of doing the work of the Lord, doing the work of the Lord. And all of us are called, all those who believe in Jesus, are called to do the work of the Lord. Maybe this is with your job. You want to work at your job, whatever your job is. Whether you're a mechanic or a clerk at a store or a stay-at-home mom or whatever it may be. You're called to do it to the Lord. It's your work to the Lord. When it comes to the church, we're doing the work of the Lord. We're seeking to do the work of the Lord. That's the ministry of the church. Reaching people with the gospel. Drawing people into community. Into worship. To full lives in Jesus. When it comes to using your gifts in any way, in volunteer service or whatever it is, you want to do the work of the Lord. This is a picture to us of those called to do the work of the Lord. What we learn here from Nehemiah chapter 4, you can open your Bibles there, is that it takes perseverance. (laughs) It takes a certain stick-to-itiveness. It it takes a certain constant effort to do the work of the Lord. Uh, I was talking to a lady in our church who's been here for a couple years now, and she described our church, she said... I feel like we're like a plane that has just took a turn on the runway. And we're sitting there in the tarmac on the runway, ready to really take off. I mean, we, we've, we've turned the corner, we're sitting there, and we're just ready to really take off as a church. And I, I feel exactly the same way about our church. But friends, if we're going to do that, we're really going to get busy doing the work of the Lord. It's going to take this. It's going to take perseverance, a consistency. Doing the work of the Lord takes perseverance. Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 15. Uh, you can look on the screen behind me or uh, in your Bibles. If you're, you like to, to open up a book, it's right there uh, in the pew. Um, or it's right there even in your bulletin. So we got the Bible everywhere for you. You've got plenty of places to read it from. Chapter 4, we're going to verse, read verses 1 through 15. And uh, we learn about what it's like trying to rebuild the, the wall around the temple. It says, Now when Sanballat... We'll talk about him later. Heard that we were building the wall. He was angry and greatly enraged. And he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burn ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, Yes, what they are building, if a fox goes up on it, he will break down the stone wall. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. So we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward, and the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. In Judah it was said, The strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There's too much rubble. By ourselves we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemy said, They will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. At that time the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, You must return to us. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in open places, I stationed the people by their clans, with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. And fight for your brothers and your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard that it was known to us that God had frustrated their plan... We all return to the wall, each to his work. To do the work of the Lord takes perseverance. So We're going to look at verses 1 through 5. That opposition will come. Uh, opposition will come when you seek to do the Lord's work, uh, certainly. Verses 6 through 9, doing the work of the Lord takes a certain stick And then thirdly, that in verses 10 to 15, keep your eyes on the Lord when doing his work. So look, at me, look with me at verses 1 through 5. We learn about this guy, San Ballot. And Sanballat was a sort of governor in that region. So all of the Jews have been sent back uh, by the king, actually paid for by the king, uh, to rebuild this wall here in Jerusalem. But Sanballat is one of the people who lives in that area, in that region. And he's used to all of the Jews being, all of Israel being out of that region and doesn't want them to come back and certainly doesn't want them to set up a wall, like a fortress, right there in the middle of them. Uh, Sanballat is a pretty well known guy. In fact, uh, even outside the scriptures, we have documents that, uh, that tell us about Sanballat. Uh, But he hears, he sees what they're doing. And they're doing the work of the Lord and building this wall, and he is angry. He is enraged with them. In fact, he starts jeering, he starts mocking them. You feeble Jews, you weak Jews, there's no way you can actually build this wall. You're incompetent, you don't have the ability, you don't have the skills to build this wall. Or this task is impossible, it's just too big, you'll never be able to get it done. Mocking them. And then Tobiah uh, is sort of recruited into this, and that's what usually what happens, right? For somebody who is opposing the work of the Lord, they don't want to be by themselves, so they got to find recruits, they got to bring other people in with them. They get Tobiah, he steps in, and he throws this mockery in there as we said if even a fox a little small dog you know a little puppy like dog jumps on the wall the whole thing's just going to come crashing down because their wall is in such bad shape that there's no way they could build it to any degree of competency the whole thing falls apart and Nehemiah's response I love it is what he interjects with prayer lord you see what's going on here and his prayer is kind of harsh he basically asks what's happened to the Jews at this time to happen to them. <laughs> that What they're asking, what they're trying to do to the people of Israel is exactly what he prays would happen to them. And that they would end up being captives in a foreign land. He asks for justice to, be, to happen upon them. Now you might say, I mean, he, he's going a little too far here in a sense, isn't he? He's saying, don't blot out their sin. <laughs> Don't forgive them, Lord. Well, a couple things about that. First, I think he's praying here really for justice in this world. He's not talking about an eternal damnation for them. That's not what his mind, where his mind is at. He's saying, don't forgive them for what they're doing. Let justice happen upon them in this world. But secondly, I would say, and uh, we see this in the Psalms all the time, these imprecatory prayers where you pray for judgment upon your enemies. And I love what C.S. Lewis says. Uh, the key thing to understand about those is that they're going to God about this. They're not saying, I'm going to take vengeance in my own hands. Right? Nehemiah isn't saying, I'm going to organize an army. We're going to go after them. We're going to kill them for their jeering and their mocking. He's saying, I give it to God. Maybe he's angry, but he's putting his anger in the right place. He's going to God with his anger and saying, you deal with our enemies, Lord. But understand, friends, whenever you seek to do the Lord's work, opposition will come. Will come, certainly. What will they do? People will question your ability, as we see here feeble and incompetent you're not smart enough to do what you're trying to do you're too old to try to do what you're, you're too young to do what you're asking what you're trying to do in the lord's work your health isn't good enough to do what you're doing to which we can respond we are weak i agree but god is strong and he's able to help me carry this work out well, the question your relationship with God. That's the idea of, will they offer sacrifices? As if their few sacrifices that they offer to the Lord will somehow get God on their side. So they're mocking that idea. You don't really know God well enough. You don't love God well enough. Or you're, you don't have a close enough relationship with God. You're not spiritually mature enough to do the work that you set out to do. To which we can reply, yes, I am a sinner. But my sacrifice is a perfect sacrifice and that sacrifice is Christ. And in Him, I can do this. Or they'll question the size of the task, as they do here. It's too big. What you're trying to do is too big for you. These stones are rubble. They're burned. They've been completely destroyed. There's no way you can do it. This task is too big for you. You'll get that criticism as well. It's too big. What you're trying to do is beyond you. You don't have the skills or the capacity or the ability to do something of that size. Or they'll question your work, your past. If even a fox jumps on it, the whole thing falls apart, right? They're questioning the work they've already done. I know about you. I know your past. I've seen the things you've done in your life. There's no way you can do the work of the Lord. To which we can reply, yes, but I'll work faithfully and trust God with the results. Friends, expect opposition. If ever you seek to do the Lord's work at your job or in your church, or whatever volunteer service you're doing, working with your family, if you seek to do the Lord's will, expect opposition. It will come. It's always going to be there. Uh, You see it spiritually. Uh, unseen ways. I've seen that all the time. Um, I'm planning to go back to Nepal this year with Paul Miller and my son and Paul Buckley. Uh, One of the things, you see it here all the time in ministry, but we saw it so clearly out in Nepal where uh, at one point in time, uh, we went to the city that Paul and Amy are planning to go to full time. Uh, The day, uh, the the hour basically, we came into that city, Paul became sick and was bedridden. (laughs) Until the day we left that city, in which he felt almost 100% better. And Paul saw that as a clear spiritual attack for the place that God has called him to in the mission field. You see that as well. You see opposition in physical ways, whether it's certain tiredness or sickness or mental illness or mental struggles or depression or whatever it may be. And you see it as as you see right here, opposition comes in personal as well when it comes to people who will oppose you as you seek to do the Lord's work. Friends, in your job, you're doing the work of the Lord. You want to do it to the glory of God. When you seek to do your job to the glory of God, you, will, you are bound to come in conflict. You're bound to come in conflict because your ethics, your morals, your sense of why you're doing this work will eventually conflict with other people. I love the story of a guy who was, uh, he was working for a certain employer and he was on the phone and he was asked a question on the phone and his employer told him, you need to lie, I want you to tell him, say this, which he knew was clearly a lie. And the man, the Christian on the phone said, I can't, I can't do that. He ended up telling the truth. After he got off the phone, his employer began to just ream him out. I, t- I asked you to do something. I'm going to fire you. How could you not do what I've asked you to do? And his response was beautiful. He said, I can't lie for you. But understand, that means neither will I lie to you. You can trust me that I'll never lie to you. But also understand I'll never lie for you either. That's the kind of conflict you're going to see as you seek to do your job to the glory of God. You'll see it with your church. People will oppose you. As you seek to do the Lord's will in your church, that kind of opposition will arise. I was talking to another pastor in town. I won't name him. But he was saying, Rick, I'm hearing a lot of chirping. (laughs) A lot of chirping about First Baptist right now uh, from people. He said, "I I don't really pay much attention to it. I get it. You know, you're making changes. Things happen. But there's a lot of chirping going on about our church. I get it. But people would say, you you can't do what you're trying to do. They're in opposition to what you're after. You can't. You can't really reach hundreds of people or even thousands of people for Jesus in your city. You You can't. You can't reach people in New England. This is the frozen chosen. This is the secular area. These people don't want Jesus. You can't really reach people in New England can't do it you can't create a culture of with a global missions focus where people are are after reaching the ends of the earth with the gospel people just don't care about that you can't do it you can't really break down racial and ethnic and social and generational barriers can't do it right it's not possible you can't you can't reach the youth in our city can't do it can't reach college age kids they're not interested in jesus you can't reach little kids you can't do it you can't maintain a facility of this size you can't we can't restore a 19th century sanctuary. You can't keep it up to date. You can't help the poor. They don't want to be helped. You can't deal with the drug addicted. There's no hope for them. You can't help the mentally ill. They're stuck. You can't reach middle class people. You can't reach wealthy people. You can't reach the influencers in our city. You can't create a culture of life. You can't convince young pregnant moms to keep their babies. You can't do it. You can't really see a Jesus-centered community here in Haverhill. You'll hear every opposition to doing the Lord's work it comes to using your gifts. Same thing. You'll hear constant critics. You can't do it. You're not good enough. You're not able to do it. Now listen to listen to criticism, of course, and then discern and dismiss. Right? Discern what is valuable and what is helpful, and dismiss the rest. I love what Ecclesiastes says when it comes to to gossip. He says, I, I listen to gossip and, about me and then I realize I probably gossip similar things to other people and he throws away the gossip and says, people just talk, let it go. But certainly you get constant criticism. You're not good enough to do what you're called to do. There was a young preacher in Scotland who, received, who had a constant critic. Uh, he was uh, part of the Church of Scotland, a minister. And a constant critic at the end of his ministry said, how many people have been converted under your ministry? The minister admitted that the answer was, Not many. In fact, I know of only one boy, after his years of ministry, only one boy that I know that actually did come to faith in Jesus. The boy's name was Robert Moffat, who was to serve as a missionary in Africa for 54 years. It was said of Moffat that when he left in 1870, a whole region had been Christianized and civilized, and many African Christian congregations ministered to by trained African ministers had been formed. Yes, it was only one boy, that he can remember and that one boy changed much of Africa Let's trust the Lord which brings us to our next point verses 6 to 9 what do you do just keep sticking to it doing the work of the Lord takes a certain stick to a certain stick to look what it says in verse 6 how do they respond besides praying as we already saw so we built the wall <laughs> what do we do from their mocking and their jeering we just keep building we just keep working and so, to the point where all the wall, the whole circumference of the wall around the city is completed to half its height. So they wisely said, rather than build everything to its full height, let's just get it enclosed first, right? Let's work all the way around. They get the whole wall enclosed to half its height. So they got some more work to do, but they're at a major, major point, a major uh, milestone. And for the people who had a mind to work, as it says, verse 7, how, did the, how does the opposition respond to this? Sanballat and Tobiah, and look at this, more enemies start to arise, right? Because they can start to see the fruit or the results of their work for the Lord. The Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashdodites. Hear that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem is going forward. And what do they do? They get very angry. <laughs> now people are even getting more infuriated. As results begin to show more enemies. The opposition steps it up a notch. And more than that. Not only are they jeering and mocking now. Verse 8. They actually plot to come and fight them. We're going to actually physically harm them now to stop this work. We're going to do whatever we can to stop the work of the Lord, to cause confusion. Verse 9, how does he respond? We pray to our God and set a guard as protection against them. Keeps going, even with that opposition. I love that. He prays and sets a guard. Right? It's not one or the other. He prays and sets a guard. We can wrongly say you got to do one or the other. You can either entrust it to the Lord in prayer or go do it yourself. Uh, that opposition or that, that conflict is never found in Scripture. It's both. You know? And we do that all the time. right? You pray for protection for your house. That nobody breaks in in the middle of the night and harms anyone in your family or steals anything. But you also lock your doors, I'm going to guess, right? (laughs) You don't just pray. You pray, and then you take precautions. Uh, If you don't, really, what you're doing is not trusting the Lord. You're testing the Lord. You're putting Him to the test, which is exactly what we're not called to do. But some people tend to lean on one side over the other, right? Let's just pray about this and trust God and leave it in His hands. Let go and let God. Well, that misses this call to work for the Lord, to get busy serving Him in different ways. Or you have the other people who would say, we work as if it's all up to us. I've heard that mentality in ministry. We work as if it's all in our hands, ultimately. No. Lest the Lord build the house, the builder's labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards, watches, uh, keeps watch over the city, they keep watch in vain. Even as we work, we recognize that this work is in the Lord's hands. And he will do with it what is good and what is right. They pray and set a guard. <laughs> We trust the Lord, we pray to Him, and we get busy working for Him and see what He does. But notice, friends, it takes a certain perseverance. They stick to it, even in the face of opposition. Uh, I love uh, how many people have seen the movie Finding Nemo. Pretty much everybody, right? Good. All right, so there's one part in Finding Nemo where uh, Marlin, he's the main character, he's swimming around. And he's looking for his son with Dory who has memory loss. And uh, he's starting to lose hope because it's just too big of a task. And when he starts to lose hope, what does Dory say to him? Hey, I can hear it right there. Just keep swimming, right? Just keep swimming. That's what we're called to do when it comes to the work of the Lord. Just keep working, just keep working. Things are getting hard. A lot of opposition arises. A lot of people are speaking or chirping, as we said. Just keep working, just keep working. Things are going smooth, and everything is seems to be blessed and moving ahead. Just keep working, just keep working, just keep going, friends. The work of the Lord takes a certain perseverance to it. I uh, I got my yellow belt last week. So I, I, I mentioned in a couple of sermons that I'm doing martial arts training. Uh, so I, I, I passed my yellow belt, which takes three months, a pretty intense uh you know, practice to get to a yellow belt, and if the, the goal is to get to a black belt, that takes three to four years. So as much as this feels like a nice little milestone, to really get there, means you have to just keep working, just keep working, just keep working. You know, a skyscraper, we talked about September 11th, can come down in minutes. It takes four to five years to build them. Persistent work. Now I think a seminary... You know, when you go to seminary, it takes so much work to go to seminary. First of all, it takes a lot of money. Second of all, it takes so much time. You have to sort of put your life on hold to go to seminary. So Jess was a civil engineer, so she worked while I did seminary work. And then you run into different types of opposition. You hit a class that doesn't go well, you, you, or whatever it may be. A scheduling issue, you run into constant issues with trying to accomplish it. It takes three years of full-time work. To finally finish seminary. Which means you're just getting ready to get started. <laughs> what do you do? Just keep working. <laughs> just, just stay at it over the long time. One of the blessings of seminary. And I know not every pastor goes to seminary. But uh, is if you can just finish that. That says something about ministry right there. You know how to start something. <laughs> Work at it for a long period of time. And complete it. Which takes forever. So much of ministry is the same way. Just keep going just keep going this has been so helpful for me you preach a sermon you think that sermon is going to be the sermon that changes everything and uh, the church begins pulls a 180 and everybody's in love with Jesus and ready to leave and go on the mission field and no it doesn't work that way. just keep preaching just keep preaching over and over and over the consistent work of the Lord. same thing in all of ministry just keep loving just keep loving. Just keep serving. Just keep leading. The work of the Lord is done over a long period of time. Of consistent, constant serving. You know, I thing about opposition here is that the opposition actually strengthens them for the task. It motivates them to get it done and get it done faster and better and make sure those walls are firm and strong. Because if opposition is literally right outside the walls, weapon in hand, you better make sure those walls are really good. And you better make sure they get up as fast as you can do that opposition strengthens us friends it's like a test what do we do when opposition arises we get our focus where it belongs and stay focused on the work of the lord don't let it distract you don't let it pull it away from you i was just reading this week about elizabeth smart i remember elizabeth smart she was the teenage girl in utah that was kidnapped and held captive for nine months and was just horribly abused during those nine months Uh, being pulled right out of her bedroom while her younger sister slept next to her with a knife in her throat. And after those nine months, she's recovered amazingly. Uh, If you ever see her in an interview, and uh, she's got a a whole um, ministry she's got going on and everything. But I like what she said. How did she pull out of this? How did she deal with that level, that degree of opposition against her? Well, the day after she was captured, her mom gave her this advice. She said, Elizabeth, what this man has done to you is terrible. And there aren't words to describe how wicked and evil he is. But the best punishment you could ever give him is to be happy. Move forward and follow your dreams and do exactly what you want to do. You may never feel like justice has been served, but you don't need to worry about that because, in the end, God is our ultimate judge. And he will make up every pain and every suffering that you've gone through. Those who don't receive their just reward here will certainly receive it in the next life so you don't have a reason to hold that onto that. What's the best thing you can do in the face of opposition? Keep working. Stay happy in the Lord and keep going forward. Don't be distracted. Somebody in your life who's a critic, who's, who's tearing apart your life, who's hurt you, whatever it may be, at your job, maybe your family, your past, what's the best thing you can do? Just keep going forward doing the work of the Lord. Don't let that distract you. Don't let it pull you away. And then 10 to 15, friends, keep your eyes on the Lord when doing his work. I love what uh, how Nehemiah responds. So verse 10, look what happens in Judah. It was said, so Judah is the larger region. Jerusalem is the main city. It sits in this larger region of Judah. Think of uh, Jerusalem like the, uh, the capital city and Judah like the state that the capital city is in. Uh, the people in Judah say the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There's too much rubble. So even they are beginning to lose hope. Even they're beginning to get discouraged. By ourselves will not be able to rebuild the wall and the enemies jump in They will not know or see us. We're going to sneak up. We're going to kill them as they do the work. Verse 12. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times. They're persistent. Come home. Return to us. Stop doing this work. It can't be done. Which must have been all that much harder. It's one thing to have those, your enemies outside the walls tell you, you can't do the work. But now even the other fellow Jews, those who are closest to them, are saying, the work is too hard. Give it up and come home. Nehemiah's response Verse 13, we place guards everywhere. <laughs> we place guards everywhere. We stay focused. He even encourages the people. Verse 14, uh, I look and arose and said to the nobles, so those are the leaders, the officials, and everybody, do not be afraid. Remember the Lord. Gets their attention looking to the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers. Think of your family. Think of the future, your kids, and stay focused. And verse 15, what do they do? They they each get back to the wall and continue their work. So, friends, what do we do? What, do we, what motivates us to keep persevering? Keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep your eyes on the Lord, on Jesus. Now, in Nehemiah's case, this is pre Jesus, of course, for Jesus' incarnation. Uh, so, it's just the Lord in general. But I think for us as Christians, we say, keep your eyes on Jesus. <laughs> That's how you continue to do the work of the Lord. Remember the Lord. He is the reason why we're working, He is the one who's with us. He's the one who empowers us to do the work that we're called to do. He's worth it. And in the end, we'll be with Him forever. And that's our hope. That's that's the end game, right? To be with the Lord in glory. In fact, working for the Lord in this life kind of makes the time go by faster right? And that's kind of, kind of what speeds the time. Uh, you know when you're at a job and you want to be lazy and you want to sit around and, and try to not get caught by your, your employer that you're kind of slacking off and not doing what you're supposed to doing? You notice how time just goes by really, really slow. <laughs> but if you actually just get to work and do what you're supposed to be doing you look at the clock and all of a sudden, wow, the time just flew by. it's almost time to go after all. Same is true of doing the work of the Lord. Get busy doing His work and before you know it, the day is here in which we will go meet him. Do it for your family. Do it for your kids. As he says here, remember your kids. Get busy serving the Lord so your kids may be blessed. not just about you. It's about a generation that follows you. Are you serving them too? Friends, let's keep on working for the Lord with our eyes on Jesus. Pray and keep working. And God, I think, has amazing things in store for us.
1: We have a lot
0: of ministry planned for this fall. <laughs> September, the month we're in right now, is very full. We have the Audio Adrenaline Concert, which we talked about. The United Night of Worship. Community groups are starting up. Kid Town is starting up. CR is going to get, it's been going all summer, but we're going to continue to ramp that up. It's a, a busy time of ministry. We even, we've, I've asked you guys to be thinking and praying about youth group. And I believe the elders are talking and thinking about or uh, 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 praying over something. We believe we have people who have volunteered to lead youth group. We're going to be excellent at it. So God has continued to provide for us. But things get really busy. In October, it doesn't seem to be slowing down at all. So in October, it's going to get even busier. Things get really busy. What a good time now, the week before, for us to remember to keep our eyes on Jesus when we do the work of the Lord. To keep on working for him. Friends, I would love to see this church take off the tarmac. (laughs) I'd love to see this church take off in ways it never has before. To see long-term FBCers growing deeper in their love for the Lord and the desire to reach out to their neighbors. See new people who walk in this door, new Christians who are growing deeper. Lives who are being changed into the image of Christ. Christ. And growing in faithfulness to Him, You see non-believers, non-Christians, come and hear and have find out answers to their questions, their doubts, and meet Jesus personally. All right? We can we can set up the date for them for to meet Jesus, and then they and Jesus will deal with the rest from that point forward. Right? But let's set up the date for them to meet. Friends, I'd love to see our church explode in ministry. How do we get there? Just keep working. Just keep working. Just keep going. Keep doing the work of the Lord. Don't give up. Persevere in it. And just keep your eyes on Jesus. Friends, doing the work of the Lord takes perseverance, even in the face of opposition. Uh, if you want opposition, just do something. All right? Just do anything. and You'll probably have some opposition. You'll get it. Persevere in it. One more observation before we close here about nehemiah's wall you'll notice that they all work together this is a group project building this wall no one person could accomplish this nehemiah is great as a leader as he is this is not a job that he could ever do on his own which is why we need the church as christians uh, the job of the church is too big for any one person far too big if we want to see people growing deeper, we want to see new folks come to faith in Jesus, your co-workers or your neighbors, your friends. If we want to minister to our kids and we want to minister to our teenagers and to our widows and to married couples who are struggling, none of us can do it alone. It's something that we do together. We do the work of the Lord. Pray with me. Our great and our gracious Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Thank you for the example of Nehemiah who persevered in the work of the Lord, even in the face of opposition, went to you in prayer, encouraged your people to fix their eyes on the Lord and continue till the job was done. So Lord, you've given us a job, the great commission, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that you have commanded. And the promise that you are with us always, even to the very end of the age. And so, Lord, help us in this work. This is a work, Lord, that we can also not do on our own. It's a work that we do together as a church family. Lord, we want to see more people in our city. Especially those in our city who don't know Jesus. Who don't know the light of Christ. Who are living this life alone. Without the Lord. We want to see them meet Jesus, Lord. Again, we can set up the date but Lord, we trust that you will meet them where they're at and you will draw them to yourself. Father, help us to persevere in this work as we set out in the fall here, Lord. This is not a work that's done through one event, one meeting, one worship service, one sermon. Uh, This is an ongoing work of perseverance. It takes a certain stick-to-itiveness and we need your help, Lord. Keep our eyes on you. Help us to remember the Lord, the reason why we do the work the one who is with us as we do the work, and the one we hope would speed the day of his return in which we will be with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.